Good evening, friends, and welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and as always, I'm joined by the one and only Michael Daniels. How was your weekend, Mike? It's nice out here in the front porch. We had a nice weekend, so it was uh, yeah. It's uh, fairly, it's cold up here, so. but not oh, as yeah. cold as it could be. We still got yeah. You guys did have some snow, ground, right? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw school closings and stuff like that happening. Uh, yeah, I don't know anything yeah. about that. Forget, I always forget. Like north of Indianapolis, you guys, it's like a different world. Yeah, I mean, depending. We're, I mean, that's always how it is, right? To us, we're like, yeah, it's worse if you go about an hour north, where you get that they call lake effect just like the cold air coming off of lake michigan makes a special kind of snow so uh we did something last week that uh we talked about uh we did not play uh the arkham horror card game but we played the newest uh fantasy flight living card game i think at least in part designed by nate french let me Mm -hmm. confirm that while i'm talking which is always a good idea. Feels a lot like it, very much like the uh, Lord of the Ring type stuff. He did yeah. Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah, he did Lord of the Rings, and um, yeah, he's one of the workers, along with Caleb Grace, who I think worked with him on, he, uh, yeah, Lord of the Rings living card game. He might Caleb might be the guy who took over for Nate when he moved on to Arkham Horror. Anyway, yes, we're talking about uh, Marvel Champions the card game yeah the the it's it has a it has a lot of feeling of a dare i say refined lord of the rings not that lord of the rings is not refined but a oh streamlined streamlined that's where i should say right streamlined um simplified in all that that implies not necessarily uh um in a bad way um yeah not in a dumbed down way yeah well depends on your perspective right it's sure. sort of it it carries along with it i don't know if i said this last week but if lord of the rings uh living card game is a strategy i call it rts but of course it's not real time it's turn-based um mm-hmm. uh lord of the rings is a strategy game uh arkham horror is a rpg investigation like murder mystery detective game um this is straight up marvel rpg uh you play as your one character in some ways it has some of the some of the best elements of both um the two games that came before lord of the rings and arkham horror card card games and um and legendary it's impossible for me to not associated in some in some way with legendary because it's marvel and it's with cards Um, so so let me explain how this how this game works to those who aren't familiar it's uh, very simply uh it's a game where the the you have a deck it's a living card game so you get all of the cards in in the starter box Mm -hmm. and four of every or i think it's like no you should get the starter cards where you can build your own kind of deck and they have pre-made decks there's four, four or five different characters um, and then there is villain decks that get built as well. And mm-hmm. you choose from the starter villains, which is like two or three different types of villains. Um, and then the game plays where you draw your cards and you play them to, to build, you know, to do the things that the cards do. The The good guys all take their turns. And then the bad guy does his turn, which is, is so it's a cooperative game. 
and the bad guy does his set procedures, you know, like draw right. a card, then he attacks with his cards um, and to evenly to everybody. Um, and then it, play goes back and forth and you're trying to defeat the different scenario. And there's, there's often a scenario effects. So it's not just the bad guy. He's doing something and some other, like, for example, when you're playing Ultron, he, he has a, a kitschy little thing where he's got drones. This makes him different than Rhino sure. who's straight up sort of, attack sort of thematic elements. And very one of the, and that's, that's the game in a nutshell. Yeah. One of the big things, there are a couple things like this is differentiated from, uh, legendary and other deck builders in that you build your deck before you start. And then those yeah, are the like cards li- you play a, with. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's, so it's not like a, it is not a deck building and that's, that's, that's a no. key thing. And legendary plays a lot like Hearthstone or magic where you put stuff on the board, you put guys on the board and they do things. Although yeah. I don't think they don't even stay out in the way that units do in, in star realms. You mean um, in legendary, you mean in legendary, yeah, no, uh, it's it's legendary is very much a deck builder. I I think honestly, from my opinion, I think the only similarity between this and legendary is that it's cards and Marvel. I can't think of anything sure, sure. more than that. I don't know what the original uh, card game was where you transition from this strategy style game to this role playing style game, um, mm-hmm. because. In Legendary or in Magic, like, you have the cards, and it's thematic in the sense that all of the Captain America cards are going to do kind of Captain America-ish yeah, right, kind yeah. of things. Um, yeah. Where in this game, if you if you have a Captain America deck, you're playing as Captain America. Um, yeah. And so your cards are abilities that Cap does, or they're allies that come and you put them out and you play sort of the way that you would in magic except uh, you know you're limited on those so it's you can only have three unless the cards give you more but it's it's not like magic or hearthstone or the lord of the rings card game where you can you know play a bunch of low cost minions and then just have a sort of swarm army kind of strategy yeah it's, but by, it's by much limiting more, you to three creatures it's like the, yeah it's like the transition from uh starcraft or warcraft 2 into warcraft 3 where you have a hero and the you know the hero is important um mm-hmm. and so i liked that um i did I, too I, I like the limiting of the creatures and the decks built that way too mm-hmm. that you only have so many did, did let you enjoy the 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 creatures i'm calling them creatures but they're they're characters daredevil black cat whatever you know, cat yeah woman, not cat mm-hmm. woman, but you know um and those they let you enjoy those ones when they come out and they're you know they have a theme. They're very thematic in what they do, you know, for the card. How do you instead of going f- out and then dying? How do you feel about the art of this game compared to Legendary? Uh, honestly, I didn't focus too much on it. It just felt very Marvel y, I guess, to me. Uh, cartooning. I guess I should look at it more closely, but it a lot of it seemed to me like um, like old school comic books with the uh, half tone patterns. Yeah, stuff. sure. Yeah, it's definitely not modern um, comic book. Art. It's art, it's right. also not like sixties comic or eighties comic book art too. It's mm-hmm. you know nineties two thousand something like that. But a, a uh, little bit a little bit stylized. Yeah, sure. So you know, it, it's, um, it's a cartoon. It's a comic book, not a trying to be real comic book, right? Yeah. So Feel. this, um, like previous living card games that in in the series, um, plays one to four players. I don't mm-hmm. know if 
usually, not usually, but in some cases, like with Lord of the Rings, you can play four with one core set. You're going to have kind of weak decks, but you can do it. Uh, Arkham, you need two copies to play four players. Like one copy can play two, but there aren't enough cards uh, to do yeah. more than that. Uh, I don't know. I think, yeah, Board Game Geek says this will play one to four out of the box, though um, Community says do one to three and it's best with one or two. Um, yeah, I, I would think I would, that too. I, I, I played a lot of that. single player and that seemed to go. And we played two player and it, I thought yeah, it was fun. I felt that's engaged what I was the whole say. time, but time you and was I, a little long. You and I had each played it um, separately, mm-hmm. <laughs> actually kind of around the same time, which is funny um, mm-hmm. because we had that thing where we're like, oh yeah, this Nick Fury card is definitely Gandalf from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> At the game. same time, right? Yeah. Um, it's like all the, it's that thing where, Everything has a different name. We've talked about that with deck builders. You're like, right, yeah. There's a this is a our, scheme as, twist. This as is our, a... as our buddy Pete says. There's spendy and stabby. I don't care whether you call it honor or spirit or heroism or right. coins or gold or credits or whatever. It's like money or attack. Yeah. This is this is punching. This is money. Um, right. And exactly. so we, you know, we each played the the solo game and then um, got on and played. And played two player, and I'll link the I'll link the shut up sit down video again because they describe all this stuff in more detail and with video so you can see what we're talking about. Um, and I agree that it does have very little. Um, like when you were taking your turn, I could just you know check out. Like I didn't really need to be yeah. Paying attention it doesn't have a whole lot of interaction, which doing. is which is unfortunate. It's yeah. an unfortunate. That is a downside to it. And, and if it was a three or four player game, I think that would be a huge knock against it. Right? Yeah. I think in a, in a two player game, you and I were going pretty quickly enough through our turns. Yeah. That that's it was the okay. sweet spot, I think. Right. But, but, and, and one was fine. So that, that's something that if, if you're thinking about this kind of game, I thought one player was fine. Something that really uh, attracts me to this game and makes me buy these games is that, um, you know, I enjoy the one-player games. It's a, it's a. Uh, sometimes it's been talked in the past about, you know, oh, why would you play a game? Games are meant to be played with, with each, you know, with other people. Yeah, That's we, the point of games. And we had you the know, same conversation last week. Oh, did we? Okay, yeah. I mean, it's it's a it's a board. It's a it's a like a video game. Even you know, you can play it, and it's, it's okay that it's a a thing in front of you. And it's got a kind of a story, a theme, and a challenge. And, and this was this fulfilled that. I felt really good playing that. And I actually got to learn my character. I played uh, uh, Captain Marvel in the solo mm-hmm. and then Spider-Man. And they're, they are, as you're talking about Captain America, they're very different. They do very yeah. different things mm-hmm. and win or their strategy is very different. Um, and now I just played with the, the pre-made decks with them. So you can right. tweak those and change those later, which is another fun thing. Once you play it and you go through... I would guess I would go through all of the the villains and all of the heroes, and then I would want to switch it up and tweak it out and play a little bit more. Lord of the Rings was like that, and I really enjoyed it. But I feel like just the nature of the playing the one hero and having the three allies, and I think they have restrictions on, like, you need to have this many of this and this many of this, I think makes the deck-building aspect of it less intimidating than with Lord of the Rings. Because yeah. Lord of the Rings, you have... It's I, would agree. Fi- I think it's 50 cards. You got to have three heroes and you can have up to, you know, four spheres or colors and then the one neutral uh, color. And you could put anything in there, whatever you want. And, you you know, you end up with a bad deck and you don't know. So 
that part of it, I think, um, is definitely mu much more accessible. It, with, felt, it, felt um, that it felt like there was, you know, less choices, but made it easier. Like, there's still the, plenty of choices, especially with the expansions and stuff. But Yeah, your, your path to playing is easier. Now, of course, that, depending on how you play, depending on how you you build your deck like if you get a really good deck i assume in either one of these games um you don't have to change that a lot so that's like a maybe one time thing and then depending on the scenario maybe you have to tweak it um yeah. the actual gameplay itself was so much simpler um yeah. than lord of the rings like the lord of the rings game i think has like six or seven phases and some of them are really oh, minor yeah, like forgot, yeah. like a whole phase is just you know, resetting everything. Like just, assign attackers, switch the thing, put the shadow cards on there, declare you, defending. You you do questing, and then you do encounters, and then you do combat, and then you do cleanup. You make optional encounters and cleanup, and it's all very rigid, very specific. You got to turn up these counters every time. Um, and I've fairly often been going through that game, and I get like two rounds down, and I'm like wait, I've been doing this wrong. I forgot that I was supposed to do yeah. this every time. I spent I... a lot of my times on Lord of the Rings just following that, like through the whole game, following the rigid, you know, phase right, marking right. thing. Which you know? is fine. You know, it's the kind of thing that if you play it a lot, you get used to it. Um, like other uh, complicated Yeah, but you still miss with, them though. Like even if you played a lot, a lot like it was a while, I was playing lots and lots and lots and, and I would still like, oh, I forgot to do shadow cards on that mm -hmm. thing. And, you know, I didn't do questing in the order. Right. You know. um, yeah. Where this game, it has two phases. There's the right. player phase and the villain phase. There, Just like any game, there's potential for misunderstood rules, right? Like we were oh, readying course. our heroes too often um, right. as far as the like, round sequence goes um but that makes the whole thing a lot more accessible so i, agree. I think I i'm agree. i'm probably going to keep my eye on this one i might get a copy of it i don't know that i need two big card single player games because yeah you know, like, yeah like we said earlier i think this maxes out at two players yeah and it, this this is a rough one to call because i mean i I, I, I'm going to own it. So the, it's just, it's hard because I, I do enjoy Lord of the Rings and I do have a great amount of cards and the, the missions are good. We like that game. Like you and I talked many times on these, this mm -hmm. show about, about that game. And we, we really like it. Matter of fact, every time you come over, I have it in the back of my head is like, I should actually put a deck together. I mean, I'm still even been hesitant to even ask you to bring a deck to, ICG con because I kind of want to play it, but the, it you know it does take time. That's a that's a game that takes a little bit of time, and surprisingly, and the, the more people that you play it, it, it takes even more longer time. But I but Marvel, do I need another one? Like you said, do I need another, <laughs> another one? Well, it is a different game, and yeah, it, maybe I it's think more that accessible. There's more. I I do think that Lord of the Rings has more interaction on others turns because you oh for do, sure i agree you do kind of everything together you do yeah. each of the phases uh each person as a group and i think that keeps uh can can keep people more engaged and there's stuff you know there's ranged attacks and and guard you know you can move enemies around in that way you know a good thing about this though is is often this is a silly kind of thing but it's how i think of buying games these days uh sure. when i go to gen con there they have these discount uh card 
dealers often there they mm. sell like dave and adams and um troll and toad and stuff and right, they right. sell like what's if you listeners who don't know what who they, those are they feel like they're overstock sellers they'll come and have like mm. every booster box of my little pony the, the trading card game and you right. can buy them for really dirt cheap and then on the last day of gen con they're just selling out their wares as much as they can get rid of uh, but yeah, these especially games in trading card games because there's just yes you know, a flood of there's cards a flood of the you can time. get every like booster boxes of Yu-Gi-Oh cards for like 20 bucks. Right. The entire mm-hmm. things. Um, but they, they're not. Of course, they're not the, the most recent thing. You're not going to go to get the, the newest expansion of Magic the Gathering. No, right. Uh, but I always said this a long time ago for a long time. It's just because a game is a little older doesn't mean it's a bad game. It's just older. Right. Just, um, you know, maybe the. Maybe the license changed hand if if it's yeah. if it's IP based. Maybe they just couldn't sell enough of it to keep. Uh, or they ran its ground. They it. had too many expansions or whatever it might be. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- this is this feels like one of those things. Like I know you can go there and buy a lot. You can buy the Lord of the Rings trading card game. They have not not the living card game, but the trading card game. They have tons of booster boxes and you know i always think that's where i buy a lot of that stuff this game feels like that like i'll be able to go to troll and toad at gen con and buy their their right. booster their expansion packs for this you know pretty uh, a lot so i'm i I'm, I'm, i can't see myself not doing that or buying a as you bought the lord of the rings where you buy a whole big lot of all the stuff yeah i mean especially if something's been out for a couple years you think you know how many people well it's true of everything but uh, especially with card games like this, um, you know, somebody buys it, maybe they play it once or twice, maybe they never played it, and it sits in the, you know, our buddy Justin gave me a whole box of cards that somebody gave him for like five bucks, and he doesn't even really like Lord of the Rings that much, so he's like, if you're yeah. going to play these, you can have them, because uh, right. they're just taking up but, space in my But this, I do say, though, that this game is priced fairly, it's it's $50 for that starter box, uh, you know, if if you it's are fantasy flight, so you know yeah. that they've got good components, good components. Um, it's good quality yeah. art. It's good yeah. quality stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is this is worth it. I think if you're interested in a Lord of the Rings or a living card game, where which that means if you don't remember it, you get all the cards with multiple copies. You don't have to right. keep buying expansion packs like trading card games. If you well. like that. <laughs> Well, you, right. If you if you keep playing, you buy expansions. What you don't have to buy are random booster packs, hoping random, yeah. to get the gold, whatever. Black yeah, you, you're gonna get your card, thing. the cards that you want, right? Um, and then so you're gonna get what you get. You get the great components. It's a good, fun game. It has wonderful solo ability, and you have just as much fun fun playing solo as you do. Matter of fact, I think it's equal, right? Amount of fun playing solo as multiplayer because there's not a lot of multiplayer crossing there um, right right uh, cooperative so yeah i i think we both like the game in general right is thumbs yeah. up yeah. yeah all right so moving away from our game weekend um i know from our little chat here that you got to see birds of prey the or should i say uh harley quinn the movie this weekend right harley quinn uh colon something something birds of prey right that the title is completely backwards for the focus of the movie but uh, we know that. Yeah. Well. Well. No. That, changing. That, that 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 bears uh, saying, Dennis. What what is the thing with that? What is the whole uh, deal? The, I I don't I don't know for sure the details off the top of my head, but they are changing the title. Something like Harley Quinn's Birds of Prey, or yeah, something like that. This is in the theater right now, right? Like 
Yeah, and and in the theater that I went to, my local theater, um, the full title is uh, uh, Birds of Prey, The Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn. Like, that, and that's the way it was marketed being, being beforehand, trailers beforehand. And then they put this yeah. out. It doesn't do well at all the first week. And then they immediately scramble. Oh, my God, we made a mistake to not call this the Harley Quinn movie because it is a Harley Quinn movie. Well, yeah, because if you think about the, um, you know, your average common non-comic book person, uh, they know who Batman is. They mm-hmm. know who the Joker is. Maybe they know who Harley Quinn is. Right. I don't think very many people saw Suicide Squad, and it <laughs> right. was bad. So right. there's that. And then, like, how many people know Birds of Prey who, at all who don't read comics? I mean, I like, barely nobody. know them, right? I yeah, and same same with me. Right. Um. So yeah, they they need to have Harley Quinn on the well. The, box. Like I, I I I mean, it's just who's, who's it's in just, charge of their marketing department? It's just crazy. I mean. I don't, I, yeah. And the worst, the worst is the, it was clearly a known huge risk to do. Actually, if you ask me, it's a needless risk. There was no reason to make, to take that risk. They should, you know, mm. because if it wasn't, if it was a surprise, they wouldn't have gone one week after and changed all the name in the theaters. You know, they yeah. ha- clearly had this on standby. It's like, oh my God, change the name quick. Or somebody yeah, was, and executives were like, all right, if you screw this up, we're changing the name within the first week, you know? That's, that's strange. That's, uh, yeah. yeah it's, it's needless. It's really there, needless. There was no reason to do it. So this is a Harley Quinn movie. It's, do you want to, yeah. Do you want to get into talking about the movie? Yeah. Let's, let's do, let's talk about the movie. Okay. I'm going to hit the bell because we are going to talk about the Birds of Prey, Fantabulous Emancipation of Harley Quinn movie, and we're going to spoil it. So. All right, so you go first. What do you? Because you, you went and saw it with some people. I saw it with Sydney, which I'm admitting it on air. It's a rated R movie, and I did take my kid mm. to see it. But you know, she's almost 14. I don't think there was. Too, I mean, maybe some language. Language. It was language, and there's violence. Yeah. And violence, sure. Yeah. Uh, do you do you let her watch the cartoon Harley Quinn? No, I do not let her watch the, the cartoon. Yeah, it's a little. My my youngest sister is 20, and uh, Sarah, my sister, and I watched um, the first, maybe first and second episodes, and I was like, "Do you think that she would like this?" And she's like, "I don't know. It's pretty gory and violent." Yeah. Um, but I uh, thought about yeah. texting so, you for for this movie because I knew I'd seen it first, and then you were going to go to. It. I was. I thought about texting and thinking, like, letting you know that it's. Might be iffy. I don't know if your family would like Andrew watch it fine, but I don't know the rest of your family would feel like the first ten right. minutes is pretty brutal. <laughs> yeah. I I put the invitation out to um, Andrew and Sarah and um, my youngest sister, and I think I asked my dad just in case because like he will go see Marvel stuff mm-hmm. with me, but just Andrew and I went, which was probably for the best. Yeah. Now in retrospect, um, I would agree. Our buddy Fox called this the best movie in the DCEU. Okay. What do you, what do you think? What do you think about that? No, I think that or Aquaman's better. I mean, oh really? Aquaman is not hmm. a crowning piece of cinematography or anything, but sure, it was fun. It was a good everything you could want and more from 
from an Aquaman movie. I mean, you, you go into Aquaman and you have low expectations of nothing and it ended up being sure. a really fun romp ride um, with mm-hmm. a good story and pretty decent acting from all around. So, and special effects. And this one, you kind of have the same thing where Harley Quinn is kind of known, but not really. And I think you get that when you come out. It's not not judging it before I say much. I, I, my feelings <laughs> is that it was an okay movie, but I would not put it as the best. Personally, it's the best DC movie. Sure. Not that there's a whole lot of ones, you know? Yeah. I mean, I hadn't, I hadn't really considered Aquaman. And really, after seeing them both... They're probably about the same. Sure, like I, can see that. I, I give, I give Wonder Woman a lot of high praise. Oh yeah, but Wonder Woman. really, the, the, the whole finale with the boss fight was kind of, you know, not, not the great. I mean, it's just it's okay. like the boss fight in in Justice League. It's just, yeah. um, uh, Aquaman loses some points from me for its ending. It's big, like third act climax you didn't like the because big, it's, huge it, fight underwater it's just it's just chaos it's like it's a lot of know, chaos i mean i've only seen at most two of the transformers movies but mm-hmm. the big fight at the end of the first transformers movie felt that way to me i'm like sure am i supposed to be able to keep track of who is a good robot car and who's a bad <laughs> robot car like I get that. there's I just get stuff that. smashing and crazy you know I feel it. Fun, ridiculous stuff that appeals to 12-year-old boys, which is fine. That's the demographic. Exactly. Um, But, um, so in in that respect, uh, I think this this movie has a a little bit of an advantage. Um, I would also put, as you just mentioned, Wonder Woman definitely above it. I mean, it's, hmm. it's also not a masterpiece of cinema, but there's so much more... In every act and scene, besides maybe that last bit, which is also I'm not dogging on it huge, the last act of Wonder yeah, Woman. Yeah, that's fine. But but it the the rest of the movie was more than fine. I guess it depends on how much you appreciate, or in the case of my brother, really really don't appreciate uh, the the connection to actual historic war events. Um, oh, that's yeah. a thing that. You know, it can be really powerful. Like you go back to the original uh, X-Men movie and you're like, is it brilliant to connect um, Eric to the Holocaust and like have him feel very strongly about registering people because of this thing in his childhood? Mm -hmm. Or is it a little heavy handed to like, sure, this is your this is your goofy comic book movie with a guy with laser eyes and a, and a dude with swords that come out of his hand and you're going to reference the Holocaust, like bring it back a notch. (laughs) Right. Those are, those are just two different perspectives. Like you either appreciate it or you don't. Um, For me, I appreciated very much the wonder woman uh, sequences connected to uh, world war one because you get, you know, you get that heroism. Like there's already as Americans, even though we didn't really do that much in world war one, you know, we have this certain type of, uh, you know, patriotism or or just a sense of like the the great wars that happened before, like the way that Tolkien wrote some of his stuff. And so when you connect a story into that, like you get that sense of heroism, you know, already yeah. already with that in that story. And so I appreciated that very much to get back to uh, Birds of Prey. There were. There was nothing in it where I was like, 
oh, this is lame. I do think it's unfortunate that they put this out at the same time that they're quote-unquote airing the Harley Quinn cartoon. Uh, yeah, for sure. I think that those two things kind of compete. I mean... Yeah, they. I mean, they start with a similar premise. I Maybe this is not possible in 2020, but I would like to see an interesting story about Harley Quinn that does involve the Joker. Well, yes, just, but l- I know that that's hard because she's, you know, she's like, so new is the uh, problem, right? Co- she's codependent and, and, you know, psychologically uh, messed up and all that. That's kind of a well, hard and, and story in, to tell at our current the, political climate. In but. the uh, pantheon of superheroes, she's relatively mm-hmm. new and she's also relatively unknown. So, yeah. I mean, I mean, because she came from the the cartoon. Right. Now, I, while I can understand them series. not doing a Spider-Man origin story, I get that. Like they did a Guardians of the Galaxy origin story. Like you needed it. And and right. or, or or let me think of a better one. Um they still did a uh Iron Man origin story. Like yeah. the I tell you what, when when people came out, no one really said this, but uh people could have said, you know, man, I wish I'd stop listening with a stupid cave and him getting attacked by terrorists and making that heart. <laughs> Can we tell a different story type thing, right? So I, I feel you, but I think that there's so many people that barely know who she is. And they saw her in Suicide Squad and and I'd say eighty percent of people oh, I don't know, most nobody went to that would see that movie anyway. Um but the mm. didn't know her. And she has some ties to the Joker. But that's their only thing. And in Suicide Squad, that was her sole identity. Yeah. I mean, to me, um, that was my only connection to Suicide Squad. I didn't know any of the other characters. Yeah. And so for me, that was the only draw. I'm like, yeah, I want to see live action Harley Quinn. And yeah. You knew her from the old cartoon, though, right? Like the Batman animated series, right? A, a little bit like that. That cartoon was a little bit after my time. Yeah. Like I was already, you know partway through high school i think when that was airing and so i didn't really watch it yeah um but i was familiar with the character a little bit from that a little bit from the injustice games oh yeah Um, right and so that that prompted me to go back and you know like read mad love and a couple of her other you know more prominent uh comic series she has one where she's following power girl around and she's got um, she's got great ones out right now like they're doing great runs with her um because what you see in the animated one that's on is it hulu is that where it's at um the new one the new one yeah the animated one it's it's on dc universe dc universe right that one is good and that one is very similar to what's happening in the comic book with her or or the comic books much further than along than that but with her she builds relationship with poison ivy she you know goes out on her own it's kind of a lot about that finding yourself type thing becoming a a superhero in your or a superhero but a villain or whatever you are in your in your own right um Mm -hmm. and it does it does start i think the her origin story she kind of mentions it in the cartoon, like my origin story is the Joker thing, but it's not. Her origin story is her break from the Joker. That's Harley Quinn's real right. origin story. Right. So, so this is yeah. I, I, they, I'm glad they have it. You're right. If it would be nice if they didn't have it, or they didn't focus so much on it. I actually thought with this one they weren't going to focus on. It. I thought they were going to be like her and Joker broke up, move on. But this movie was yeah, a and- lot about it. I have no problem with that. It just 
is tired after seeing the cartoon. I'm like, <laughs> sure. Okay, yeah, she's breaking away from the Joker. We've already seen this. The cartoon does, like, like with, most of the whole season is that. Right. It's just her trying to prove, and that's, and that's an interesting story, but I almost wouldn't mind, I mean, and maybe it's too late now because it's DC and they get the cart before the horse, but right. I wouldn't have minded them, you know, maybe just adapt the plot of Mad Love into a, f- a feature you know maybe sure. it doesn't have maybe it could be like a 90 minute type thing or uh or something like that but introduce the character before you make this big change right you're like who is this well she's making a change and you're like well i've never seen her before why do i care if why she, do i care you know, yeah well changing she her her car her comic book counterpart which is very similar to her cartoon counterpart it is mm-hmm. is the more interesting character i mean harley quinn was fine and cool as the joker's number two and girlfriend but she is much more fun much more fun as the what you see her in the cartoon and in the comic book now and and margot robbie's um suicide squad harley was pretty much like that i know that they pushed with the joker but she wasn't always talking about the joker constantly she was a a great character in her own right and i think this was her their chance to like okay let's make her her own thing. So moving it back yeah, to Yeah, there was there was less Joker stuff uh in Suicide Squad than there was in this. I would agree, agree. So moving it back to the Birds and Prey Prey movie. Um so I made a comment before to our, our friend group and I still maintain it, is that you could take the Birds of Prey out of this movie and it would be the same movie. Like Yeah, well well that goes back to what we talked about before the spoiler bell, uh, with the title. Like yeah. this is not a very accurate title. <laughs> yeah, they they added they have the huntress in here. It's it's kind of like what it, here's what it feel you know what it feels like. It and I think I've read a little bit of backstory like the background of all this is that Margot Robbie likes the the um the character but no, mm-hmm. well she likes Bird of Prey, but she also likes um you know Harley, Harley, but she doesn't like what they portrayed her as the sexy Harley, right? She's an interesting psychotic mm. character with Dr. Harley and Quinzel and got a lot of depth to her. Um, but, you know, obviously in Suicide Squad, she was definitely, you know, wearing nothing and showing her body and as well as all just, of her personality. Just objectified. Objectified, right. And she, she yeah. didn't like that at all, which is understandable. So she, but she really, she was one of those people that goes and reads the comic books to study her character and research and stuff like that. Right. Does the background work and does her what she needs to do. So she likes the birds of prey. You know, she really enjoyed those. And I think when she went into the, she's an executive producer on here. And when they were mm-hmm. talking about it, she says, I wanted to make a birds of prey movie. Um, and they had different characters. She wanted to be in there and then they negotiated it through. But honestly, you know, the studios and everyone else wants a Harley movie. So yeah. this felt like, okay, let's put them both together <laughs> in two movies into kind of one, but they don't need it. Like really, you don't need the question, Renee Montoya, the the cop. She doesn't play a, an important role. Uh, the Huntress, again, doesn't play an important role. It's just a diamond right. that you need to get. She comes in and she's got revenge, but it doesn't matter. Right. There's right. at all. Um, and then the, the songbird, uh, Black Canary, sure, she's kind of a part. She's probably a bigger part than the rest of them. But again, right. not needed. Harley is a core person of the whole show. So, yeah, just that. Every time they were on the screen, the Birds of Prey, I kept thinking, like, why? Why? 
you know. And and I know in the comic books, some of those characters are very cool and interesting, and they just didn't didn't do it for me in here. Like I really like the Huntress; she's cool and got a great story and a whole background and can make her own movie and stuff. But she's kind of a side note here, you know. And then they even make fun of her a bit uh, <laughs> with her name, which is which is fine. It's just. Right. You know, like you're wasting a, a thing here. What you're, the movie's called Birds of Prey, yet you're not even carrying uh, the question the same way she just felt. Eh. The the question, I didn't know her. Uh, her she, character. She's a that's a D list character. She's a not the original question even. She's a she's a fine character. It's just anyway, the their place in this movie just wasn't warranted. When Margot Robbie got on the screen as uh, Harley Quinn, all that was great, right? She was pretty good all the way through. The action scenes, uh, Fox had told us, was uh, done by the guy who did John Wick, which is amazing because they're awesome. They're super cool and stylistic. Um, Yeah. A a little unbelievable, but they're so cool, it's fine. You know? Uh, Ewan McGregor's villain was, I mean... Fine. To be fair, better than I think any DCEU villain we've seen so far. Maybe, uh, probably. I'm trying. I'm going through on the list here. I don't know. Probably, maybe if you you go I all the way Zod back to was Zod. Good. Yeah, Zod was. Yeah, good. but yeah. like Ares, Ares, or Lane. Steppenwolf, or totally uh, Lane. Uh, um, the Ocean Master, Cara Delevingne, uh, the Witch, Witch Enchantress. No, what's what's her name from Suicide Squad? Yeah, Enchantress. That's right. Yeah. Some. Yeah. 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 All. Yeah. Like, you're right. All. All of them. All. Like of them. all of that. Worse. Worse than the most lame Marvel villain. Uh, our most. Right. He, he, so. So villain. you didn't have a whole lot to live up to. Actually, I thought the guy that played Zaz, his number one was was the better villain. Um, mm. And Zaz in the comic book is pretty much your your most disturbing villain like there's villains are bad guys they all do bad things you know it. they just don't necessarily say it but zaz is one of those guys that like in a comic book they let you know that he mutilates bodies you know that he's not just like oh he's killed people and use the words like you know murder no no, they say like he's flayed their skin and is he the one that that wants to cut the faces off yes that's that's the guy Okay, so what? That's either me or the movie, not because I thought that was connected to, um, what's his name wanting masks, right? Black like mask. He, although he doesn't save them, he throws them on the ground. So I don't know why I, I didn't. Yeah, I, I get that. I get two. that because because they, they don't also don't talk too much about black black again. The villain is just not well done, and he, I don't know, he. He kept coming off to me as like a psycho kind of Joker, but sure you, you're not the having Joker. a movie about the Joker. And yeah. if if you go crazy psycho, then you are trying to be, you know replicate the Joker. Um, but he's not intimidating in that way. I guess you know, you know if if they had made a movie, maybe not. Maybe I'm I'm talking out of my butt with this. But if they had made Mad Love, if they had made a dark story. About Margot Robbie going from a psychiatrist or Harleen Quinzel uh, going from a you know a competent functioning psychiatrist to this like insane thing. The way that they made the Joker movie, yeah, 
she could have gotten nominated for an Academy Award uh, instead of... Uh, believe it or not, <laughs> you know, you, you want to talk about people clamoring for more Joker movie if they are. I mean, you could do it, but have it with Margot Robbie and, and Harley Quinzel. That would be... That would actually work, right? Right. I mean, I haven't seen Joker, so I don't I don't know how closely the... It, it doesn't at all, but, but you could see Margot Robbie's having the chops up to do that kind of a thing. She totally yeah, could do, could abso- do that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she did... I think somebody involved got nominated for um, Bombshell, that movie she was in. Oh, yeah. She was in Wolf about, of Wall Street and a lot of other different the movies. News. Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I, this movie was fine. I, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's not a good movie. It's a, a middle movie. Um, yeah. So we, we haven't, we usually do this on our, our 100 movies list, but uh, in Final Judgments, what do you, can you give this like a, a one out of 10 or maybe six maybe we'll just I'd give it a six pull back out our uh our dc dceu rankings yeah i i would i'd give it an e from a to z e. <laughs> i give it a, an e uh, oh i see i see maybe uh maybe even like an m or something but the uh yeah it, it's it's Change it's sca- but it's just a, it's just this- okay My, i'll tell you what sydney enjoyed it she did a lot not it's funny. She mm-hmm. came out and said she liked it and she was happy with it and she liked this person. But you know what she wasn't doing? She wasn't quoting lines. She wasn't saying, remember that scene where? Do you remember that cool mm. thing that they did? She wasn't. She was like, it was fun. And I know a lot for her at the end was the fact that it was a lot of girl power at the end. And, you know, sure. the whole movie was a lot of girl power. And that was great. So it was great for us. You know, she's 13 in, years old. In a way and, that felt natural, unlike that. Yes. That money shot in Endgame. No. Yeah. Right. Endgame. This is this was this was a bunch of girls who were cool and they hung out together and they kick everybody's Incompetent. butt. Yeah. Yeah. And they kick everybody's butt and nobody can nobody can stand up to them type thing. And, th- and that was. Yeah. What she liked. That That's the thing. That and she so. Liked. So in the in the DCEU rankings, you said you put this uh, below. Wonder Woman and Aquaman. Yeah. I, right? You know, but right. see, right. I'm one of those weird guys that didn't mind Batman versus Superman and Man of Steel. Like, I thought, I know you didn't like this. And I didn't care. I think Justice League was horrible. Um, Man of Steel was okay. Justice League, I also didn't mind because I expected so little <laughs> uh, out of it. Batman versus Superman is a mess. Yeah, all right, uh, all right. I, I, I can so, see that. I can see that. Sure. So for me, wait, Batman versus um, Superman. That's the one with Lex Luthor. Okay, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah, it's like Death of Superman. It's like two entire you're comic right. arcs crammed into one, you're plus right. some Dark Knight elements and thing. And I also don't like the the big suit. Batman in the big suit looks dumb to me. Yeah, sure, sure. I and mean, I understand that's the only way he could. You're right. I, t- I take all of that back. You're right. The, 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 <laughs> the one scene where Wonder Woman comes on screen and starts kicking butt. Sure, that's the only thing there that yeah, semi redeemable. Like yeah, thirty seconds in a whole like almost three hour long movie. okay anyway you're right you're right uh for me i'd say i still probably like wonder woman better than this though to be fair i only saw that once i probably need to watch it again to see if it holds up to the mm-hmm. the high praise i have it in my head uh i i in, i think i enjoyed this more than aquaman aquaman was fine it was better than um Justice League. I thought Justice League was just okay. Yeah. It's fine. My expectations were super low. And you, you are uh, one that is. You've said been very open with saying that like you're not an action scene person. That that doesn't do it for you, which is important. Yeah, to like, think about when you reviews. If it's really, if I'm really emotionally involved in it, like, uh, you know, I've talked about this before. The show, um, I think it was uh, uh, Showtime, 
uh, the Spartacus Sears is so visceral and bloody and you really hate guys that are fighting and so when there's swords and blood and limbs chopped off like like you get a little bit of adrenaline with it stuff like this and like with with comic book movies i very often you know don't really know with the fight or i don't care or it's so fantastic right because it's a comic book movie i know none of it is even remotely real and not like those other shows are real either but it's like you know, uh, you go back to Civil War and you're like a dude in an invincible suit yeah. fighting a dude who's invincible. Like they're going to punch each other for a while and it's cool, <laughs> but there are no stakes. Right. Um, and would, so you, would you say that? So it's not as entertaining. Would you to say me. that uh, Endgame is one of the few that would ha- would uh, that would be different for you? Because the, I'm talking about like the big battle at the end, which kind of like. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, if you just put it on a piece of paper. That seems like a, a thing that Dennis would not care about, but I think it's fair to say that you did care and had a lot of emotions throughout that whole battle, from yeah, Mjolnir I mean, being picked up that... and the fight, and then the you know the sure the, the Avengers well, building that's, being destroyed, and you know that's part of part of that is that you build a compelling villain, right? Yeah. Like that's and the important. Villain. It's so important. Yeah, and um, yeah, I mean, you get you get the emotional weight of having seen infinity war and then having a gap. Yeah. And so, then, so that's the exception, you know, I guess what I'm saying you, coming back to, and to you can get stuff. I can enjoy and appreciate, um, action in movies. I'm not, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, immune to that, but I have to be emotionally invested in exactly. it in some way. Otherwise it's just, you know, it's just time spent. I'm like, cool. They're driving cars around. <laughs> and, and like, yeah. And that's not a knock. It's just, I think when, when you're looking at reviewing, like for me, when someone looks at my where I rank things, you know, they would know that I enjoy the big glitz and explosions and blowy up things, uh, and therefore a movie that that has uh, none of those things will probably rank lower for me. And that's people can take that with a grain of salt, knowing that like, oh, well, just because he ranks it high doesn't mean it's a good movie. It just might have a lot of blowy up things. Yeah, and some of that you it some can of be that the opposite depends way. on like like where are the moments, like yeah. where are the big the big moments that you um that you appreciate that resonate with you i think uh you know wonder woman coming out of the trench in her movie was cooler than anything that the dceu has done yet does that mean the whole movie holds up and doesn't have any problems obviously not um so for me i'd say I'd I'd still probably put this put Birds of Prey under Wonder Woman. I think it's probably better than for me. It's probably better than um than Aquaman mm-hmm. just because um it was coherent all the way through. Uh I said this in the spoiler section, but Aquaman's ending got real crazy and chaotic. <laughs> it really and, did. That third act cool. got like lots of you, stuff happening. You got you got a hundred digital animators you know, to work for six months to put every kind of fish and squid and, and Kraken in the, not Kraken, a little uh, claw. They really did though. Thing, guys. They really did. I know what they call in wow, but it's not, that's not what they are. Um, And yeah, so that's how, how would, that's but, but okay. So that, you know, I will say this. I know we, I'm ready to move on from this one, but I do want to yeah. say this, that we, we've been talking this entire time about, uh, comparing it to DC movies, which is not a fair thing. That's like saying, what's your favorite loaf of bread? Right. It's like, okay, okay it's, I like this one a little bit better than that one, but really in the, the day, it's just bread. 
So what, where would you say Birds of Prey, you know, in the Marvel MCU? Oh, man, I don't know, because so many of the Marvel films I've only seen once. Like, Well, you only saw Birds of Prey once. Me, well, that's true, but I saw it yesterday. <laughs> that's true. Right? Like, right. If you ask me to compare it to, you know, Iron Man 2 from sure. 10 years ago. But but how, how about, like, would you put it, let's, okay, let me let, let me start saying, a, let's do a hot or cold type thing. I'll throw some things out where just, just the feelings. Would you put it above Guardians of the Galaxy? Probably not. How about Ant Man? No. Not just no. n- neither movie, just like Ant Man. <laughs> oh well, not not the character. Like you, know, you made the Ant Man movie, I guess. But you know, you you made yeah. it no particulars. But you um, know how it felt with Paul Rudd and that. Probably not. I mean, maybe better than the second one. Sure, sure. Just because the second one got so. Silly. Okay, and I mean, and, and not not bad. It's it's, it's not better than Captain America, like the first Avenger or Iron Man. Probably better than Dark Thor: The Dark World, but probably maybe yeah, at the at same all. as the original Thor, but not as good as Ragnarok. See, yeah, you see what I'm saying? It's it's one of those when you start comparing it to other genre movies, it yeah, and I mean, it's only okay. You're also you're also comparing it a lot to the ones that were more straight comedy. Well, this um, one was a lot know, like of comedy. Gu- Guardians and Ant-Man had its had its serious moments, but it was, you know, a lot of... Com- when I think back on the moments, when I think about Chris Pratt doing his stuff or uh, Rocket saying they're all a-holes standing in a circle, yeah. like, that's the stuff that I remember, the funny stuff. Well, the, uh, and when you watch Birds of Prey, though... There's not a whole lot of real serious stuff here. I mean, there is. They go out and almost literally show you cutting people's, peeling someone's face off three or four times. Yeah, and like that's that was a weird, stark thing in this movie. That's like at one point (laughs) supposed to be hilarious and cute and funny, and then they rip a kid's face off. And you're like, again, very similar to the Harley Quinn comic. Yeah, right. Where like it's funny, it's it's the thing, and then like crack that got. They they do that in this movie with you know, knees bending backwards and stuff. Andrew drew the comparison to uh, Deadpool. I, sure. I think, I think Deadpool is a bad, much better movie, but, sure. but yeah, I get that. I get, that. you know what? Maybe I'd put this on a Deadpool two level. Probably a little bit better. Yeah. Probably a little yeah, bit better. Cause you got all that, uh, R- Russell, Russell. Ugh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> right. Now, now that you said Russell, I kind of want to put it above, above that. You're, you're, you're done now. It's yeah. now birds of prey is birds of prey is better than that. So yeah. Okay. All right. Hey, so uh, going into from movies to, to uh, TV real quick. Uh, I still maintain that Picard has not still fulfilled its star Trek ness yet. Would you agree yeah. or not? So let's, let's hit the bell here. We're what we are four episodes in. So after episode three, I had that like, I had that moment of like, oh, Mike's finally gotten his his thing. It is it is Star Trek. And then when I I read something and I thought about the episode some more, and I'm like, no, it's really not. Yeah. Because they get to the end of the episode and they're like deferring to him, and he does the he does the thing, and he says the thing, and I'm like, oh, he said the thing. Yeah. But then like I think back on the episode, and I'm like, oh, she gave him a whole speech about like. Uh, wealth inequality 
and yeah. you know the dude is smoking a cigar and she's vaping some kind of leaves and i'm like this is the thing that i was worried about before this show started that it was going to be a um you know a commentary on present day which is is a tricky thing right yeah star trek has always been about that right like when sure I mean, I mean, original Star Trek predates Star Wars, but where Star Wars is this like kid who wants to fight in the war and he goes and he fights and he goes on an adventure. Star Trek was this, you know, utopian dream of the future when we all get along and work together. And, you know, there are aliens out there we have to deal with. But within ourselves, within humanity, like we've put all that aside. But you I mean. Anytime you try to do that, and especially with a franchise as uh, long running as Star Trek is, you know, I've talked about this before, you're back in the 60s, like, you're still showing uh, cultural issues of that time in this imagined utopia, because that's inevitable, right? Like, you're still looking at the world the way you do in the present day. You can't imagine that, uh, you know, issues of, of gender equality and things are going to change 50 years from now when they're making or even 30 years from now when you're making a a new version of this show sure but no nobody um, wants that to be the main thing right like right exactly it's and this is what i said to fox before before picard started i said that stuff has always happened it's always been a little bit inevitable i watched a, a started watching I actually turned it off an episode of deep space nine that starts with quark trying to manipulate one of his Davo girls into giving him umaks, which, of course, the show is network television. It's PG. And so those are ear rubs. But they've established that for Ferengi, it's more than that. And I'm like, this is real problematic in 2019 or 2020. And I went further in the episode and got to where I was pretty sure they were going to dress Quark up as a woman to try and manipulate the the grand negus the like king of the ferengi and i'm like no i can't <laughs> i can't i can't do this like i'm not you know we're 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 pretty conservative yeah uh we don't we also don't talk about politics on the show but i'm like i don't want to watch this this is dumb yeah it's and, trying to tell you stuff you know right. 90s trying to think but this is starting and it, you know it's still potentially early to say you know you never you're four episodes in you never you're, know you're you pretty much established what the show's feel is yeah, and you you know, we don't know like for sure where stuff is going to go, but it's very it's very political and like not that Star Trek was ever not you know, at least to a certain degree political just in its concept. Um but this like you know, very direct kind of parallel between, you know, uh uh Patrick Stewart is playing less Jean-Luc Picard and more himself. Yeah, I would agree. I I don't see Picard here. He's an an older, wealthy white man, and he's being treated that way by this character of... What's her name? Shoot. Doge's character? No, no, the... No, that's the... Oh, yeah, yeah, his friend that calls him, Um, you know, JL. JL. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rafi. Rafi. That's the thing. It's like when he... In this episode, he goes to the... The the planet of the, the uh, Romulans and stuff, and, and the he's dealing with that. Colony, like, yeah. you're right. He does not at any point still feel like 
any bit of Jean-Luc Picard in there. I get nothing from that. I and, get and that's and that's fine. Like he doesn't have to be the same as his character from the movies 20 years ago or the TV but the show characters are 30 still, years but ago. But people are still people. I mean, they do change, but at your core, you're still the same kind of person, I think. I mean, he it, when, when a man lives, you know, 50 years as one person, he doesn't change in 20 years everything about himself, right? And he just, I don't know, I guess he just doesn't, doesn't feel, even in the movies and everything, he still was a Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, and I mean, I wouldn't mind him changing, right? Because he went through a series of traumatic experiences, right? One of his closest friends sacrificing himself to save him, and then his his organization that he believed in, you know, he's married to Starfleet and the Federation throughout his career, to have them turn on their ideals in that way. Like, I, it doesn't bother me that he changed, like... Everything that they've given us justifies that change. I just wish that the change didn't feel like such a blatant um, reflection on present day politics. Yeah, and, right? and where where the Federation is Brexit. Yeah, or and, and he Trump's America. He doesn't. The, the thing is, he's got he he should still be the diplomat. He should still be the the. I mean, the person is still. Again, you, you when you go into a situation and things are difficult, you still fall back on wh- who you are and your instincts and things like that. No matter what changed you, you still fall back on what what you're good at and what you are. And and p- this Jean Luc Picard should be a good diplomat and a good leader type person. I I know people who are older and you know have gone through this stuff and whatever. They're still mm-hmm. the same kind of person that you remember them to be back in the day, just more refined. Um, and like you said, I'm okay with Jean-Luc changing, but he should still be Jean-Luc Picard. And I just don't feel that except in name. All I get is a wealthy white guy who was helping like a missionary to these people. And he's mad that it didn't get his, get, get his way. And he's just grumpy about it. And now he's trying to, he's dying. So he's going to go on one last little helping, you know, uh, mission, not, not mission, like missionary mission. It doesn't feel yeah. like a Starfleet commander going on a mission because the dude's like ninety, right? But uh, right, and, and so in that in that respect, I I'm agreeing so far. Yeah. so far, we'll of course. See. Yeah, that's. Um, yeah. I mean, it took it took Discovery like over a full season to get quote unquote good. But, well, well, it's but, not just know, good. Here's I, the thing: is that I. Correct me if I'm wrong, because you know more of these things than I do. This is the first one without Starfleet. Now, now, yes, there's Starfleet in the background. Starfleet's a a thing. It's an environment, but it's not. There's nothing Starfleet here. Like there, there's no rank. There's no you know lieutenant commanders. There's no engineering. There's no anything. Oh, are you saying? I mean, yes. This is the first. This is the first Star Trek anything we've seen, I mean, aside from Short Treks, that from Short Treks. is focused is focused on civilians. It's civilians, right? They're, they're, uh, Deep Space Nine had civilian things, but it was all within the wrapping of Starfleet. Like, there was no ship, but it was still, the station was run 
I mean, it was jointly run by Starfleet and the Bajorans, right. but it was still Starfleet and the Federation. Women. Yeah, and, and here there is none of that. And I didn't think about that until this, this last episode, and now I start really thinking about why – what am I not getting here out of this Star Trek thing? Why – when I complain about, oh, you – which I say all the time now is that, you know, oh, you could take Romulans and put them with E.T., and it's the same thing. You're just calling them a different name. Nothing matters. Why – what would it be? What what could they do for me to make it Star Trek? Would they add more ships or well, they had ships this time. Does that matter? Uh, no, I think it has a lot to do with Starfleet. I think that your that that is an, a core part of Star Trek, and not I not think, that you have to have it. You can do. Yeah, it's okay. I think that they're trying. It's it feels like maybe they're trying to do aside from whatever political message they mm -hmm. seem to be trying to send. But even if that is not the case and just me being paranoid, um, it feels like maybe what they're trying to do is a little bit of Mandalorian. That or, feels right. Okay, sure. Or whatever. Like, let's tell a Star Wars story with no Jedi. But you, you know what they should have no... done? They should have done Riker then, or they should have done something else. I think Picard is not the person to do that with, oh, you know, or, or, yeah. or seven of nine or something. Right. Well, seven did show seven up. Did show up. But you see, what I'm saying they they could have used anyone else. They could have a Picard movie should have been a different kind of show. Or I'm whatever. betting, and and we'll see. We'll find out next week whether I'm right or wrong about this. But I'm betting with the arrival of seven, um, that maybe we get more, we get more Star Trek. I mean, I said this. I, I think I said this last time we talked about this. But there are. There are elements, right? There are things that you get and appreciate, for me anyway, um, for knowing the world, right? You, you know, when he uh, instinctively gives orders on the ship and then, like, catches himself, you're like, well, yeah, of course, he was a captain for right. how many years? Like, of course, it's his instinct when on a ship to to give orders. Yeah. And um, and I agree with that, too. They're, they're fairly few and far between when you have those kind of little telling moments you know um you mentioned the the golden gate bridge like last time and things like that you know yeah but like if you you know it's like if you're watching um you know i'm watching the expanse and they throw stuff in like it's a new world and so they have to you know f maybe find ways to explain things or they don't and then they eventually will and then you put the pieces together like the same story could be told without the star trek universe so far anyway. so far right the the uh the thing too with um anything it's that's hard to not really the picard appreciate mission, the weight of anything that's not the picard I mission mean, is very boring to me like very skippable yeah all all the whenever whenever they cut to uh soji and uh Narek, oh, i think it's yes name. oh my god um, do i not want to pay attention to any I'm of like, that i'm like oh it's discovery with uh with um it's, Lieutenant Lovett. Yes, I feel bad it's like the worst parts name, of Discovery but... that I don't want to watch anything about. Those two actors are really dry, and they are they they're supposed to be these. I I'm guessing some super smart, accomplished people, but they just feel like they're a bunch of 22 year olds that think that are thinking that they're you know they fell in love at first sight and they're on The Bachelor. It's like what <laughs> right, what right. are we doing here? And then she goes in and they keep threatening that she's some destroyer and stuff i'm like okay turn into the destroyer right now because what you are now sucks you know <laughs> um so yeah it'll be interesting to see how 
the story changes for Picard himself, the person, not the show, but um, knowing whatever, what I'm assuming that Seven has some particular Borg knowledge to drop on him. And then the story for, for Jean-Luc will become, you know, will change because of course he was Locutus, right? He was assimilated for a while. Like the Borg killed that, that. That's how data died. Like it's a whole, you know, big thing for him. And so maybe that will become something that you really need the Star Trek universe to do. You can't Hopefully. convey the weight of what the Borg mean to Jean-Luc Picard without. Yeah. The Borg, the Borg being a Borg central thing could history. very well, very well make this, more cemented into to, to Star Trek. You're right. I, th- that that could and and they do have the Borg's cube and the stuff, but it's it's just right. so loose at this point. And you're we always always say there's <laughs> many episodes to come. We are judging it, but you know we said that in the first yeah. week, and here we are four weeks in, and they're still not doing it for us. So now I will say, up side note, as we change subjects here to our challenge. Um, I like the uh, the the new ship, and I like the pilot guy, like Captain Dude. Mm-hmm. He, I like he's got all of his EMH programs or whatever they are, ENH and the the different yeah ver- various yeah, holograms. That's kind of cool. Like they're all different personalities of him, and he is although his main character, the main character guy, is very heavy handed with like constantly having him read the same stupid like depressing book or something like, okay, I get it. We get what you're trying to tell he, who he is. I get it. You know, move yeah. along. Oh, he's, he's brooding. Oh, he's Captain broody. He's like, on solo. Right. But I like all his, his other guys. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's a, I don't know. I don't know what to compare that to, but we've seen that before where you see like different versions of. Right. So we'll hang in there. We'll, same. we've got another one coming this Actually. Thursday and, you know, hopefully it's better and we'll, we'll put it. Uh, so we got, let's do yep. uh, our 2020 challenge. What do you say? Yeah, we're we're running long here, so let's get it. So this week we are talking about uh, the 1995 crime thriller, The Usual Suspects. Now, I've not seen this one. Uh, direct, 95. Directed by Brian Singer. Brian Singer. This is starring... Pre or post X-Men? I don't even know. Like, I'm trying to say... I, uh, it's... It's 95, so it's got to be pre. It's got to be pre. Brian Singer. X-Men was like 2000. Obviously did this one really well and people knew him for it, but uh, I think he became like of the nerd popular culture when he did did the uh, X-Men movies and brought... Spider-Man happened with uh, Tobey Maguire and uh, Sam Raimi, and then they do the X-Men and they're like, oh my gosh, this is a thing. And I definitely credit those two things, movies, kickstarting superhero movies. Uh, and Brian Singer was a big part of that. You know, he, you make a lot of directorial sure, decisions yeah. to to make your fantastic superhero comic book movie grounded by having not fancy suits. You have them black leather suits and you have Wolverine not in a big mm-hmm. costume, but his hair kind of looks like it is. So <laughs> Brian Singer does that one. But before that, he did this movie and it's on our list. So these people are saying it's a movie to watch. That you have Right. So this is a movie that uh, whose appeal uh, rests entirely on its twist ending, so I'm yep, going totally to on the twist. Hit the bell because we're going to spoil it. Yeah, this movie is nothing without the twist. <laughs> so, like nothing without the twist. Uh, you, you, you've never seen this, no, right? Um, yeah, I, I have. I've seen it at least once, but it's been, okay. it's been quite a while. Um, I heard the name Kaiser Soze before this. Sure, I know that it comes from. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's it's one of those things you get some you get some lines you hear where 
where those lines uh, came from. Or if you ever saw, uh, it's one of those Leslie Nielsen movies, like Wrongfully Accused or something, where they parody this. Yeah, yeah like, right, yeah. He sees all the, you know, the guy sees all the stuff on the wall, and it's much more obvious than this. It's like he tells him his name is Buzzin', Buzzin' Frog. <laughs> And it's like a, right. a fishing lure behind him. And then the guy yeah. like drops his coffee mug and then a donut and then a stapler and like five things fall on the floor, you know, and break and you know, right. it's, it's parodies. But, right. But um, so th- this you, I think you said it better than anybody could say with this movie is that it, it relies on the twist. This yeah. this movie is is about the twist. And I love a good twist. I mean, we we've, <laughs> I, you heard me like get giddy about Nolan and doing his cool twist stuff that I, yeah, it yeah. makes it all worth it. Um, but you got twists like Nolan twists. This one is just okay. Like I, I saw it coming like not at the beginning, but I saw it about halfway through and okay. I'm like, Oh, it's going to be one of these guys. Oh, it's definitely him. Mm. You know? Um, I didn't get the rest of it all being made up and all that stuff, but it just, it started to get really weird not weird, just wonky. Like a lot of the things didn't make sense. What was happening and the characters felt two dimensional. The, the four or five main characters, I guess they killed one of the most interesting off early, which was, um, Benicio uh, del Toro, Benicio del Toro. He was a pretty interesting character. They killed him off randomly. I think they should have killed the bomb maker guy. I feel like in this movie, he's playing a, like one of the weird characters. Um, um, Brad Pitt sometimes plays. Yeah. It, does, yeah, it doesn't sure. help that at this time, like he and he and Brad Pitt share some sort of facial characteristics and mannerisms. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. There were times where I was like, this could be Brad Pitt's uh, performance in um, Fight Club. Right? Fight he Club. Could, 13 he could be monkeys. doing this yeah. character with the weird accent and speech patterns. And uh, yeah. And, and he was he was a little bit interesting and I kind of wanted to hear more from him. And then he, he dies in the middle and. Yeah, I don't know. I the movie was fine because I, I said I, I dig twist endings, and this did have a twist ending. And and I I'm not saying it was bad that because I, I figured it out because I figured it out a little early. That's okay. Just I was like, oh yeah, I was vindicated. It was right, you know. Right. Um. But um, all the rest of it was very nineties, very nineties. Sure. Yeah. A lot of <laughs> and uh, a lot of big music, right? Bigger yeah. than bigger music than what's going on. Um, I didn't realize that shoulder pads lasted that long in, from the eighties <laughs> to the nineties. Now like, here's a, here's a little bit of trivia for you. Did you spot, uh, Clark Gregg? Yes, uh, I did. I did agent, the doctor agent Colson. Yes. Colson was the, the doctor. Funny, yeah. Cause I don't think you ever see him, his face. Yeah, like, you do the side of his face. At least you do. You do later. He's, you, you totally cause, do. Cause he's in surgery. He's wearing a surgical mask, but he talks and I'm like, that sounds just like Agent Coulson. Let me look at it. Up. It is him. When not they go him. back, it's, like it's definitely him. When they go back, um, the the police officer. God, there's so many terrible things in there. So <laughs> the the police officer go runs barges his way into this like burn victims Surgery, comatose yeah. state, and he's like, "Tell me who the bad guy is." You know, like right. oh, God Almighty. And he then he says that. So after that, he says Kaiser Sose, Kaiser Sose, and then. The cop gets on the thing. He says, get me the governor or whatever it is. Right. And he doesn't say like, he doesn't tell you like I found Kaiser Soze, the big crime Lord, or whatever. He just says, you know, I'll tell you when you get here. I'm like, no, just freaking tell me now. So right. later on, they come back to this guy and they have an interpreter with them. 
And that's when you see Clark Gregg come in. He actually has his face and he's with the he's the oh, doctor. You see him then. I, I didn't yeah. I was watching for him again. I didn't see him that time, but in that first hospital scene, he gave a line of dialogue and I'm like, that sounds I, I did not hear that, so I, I did not catch that one. So but uh yeah, th- there's so much of that in this movie where they're it like reminded me uh if you well, whatever, this isn't a spoiler, but watching this like nineties movie reminded me of the the question character in in birds of prey where she's supposed yeah. to be like yeah lo- loves 80s cop movies and quote and like it was so underutilized i'm like yeah you could get like maybe not her own movie but a movie with her and one other person where she does that and it's a funny runner throughout the film throughout the um, whole thing yeah they 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 said that it felt like it was going to be a major thing funny but they didn't it was capitalized so, on it so underutilized. Yeah. 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 But this one felt like <laughs> it's funny because I, I did watch the rest of this after watching Birds of Prey. And I thought that, too. And I kept thinking, like, oh, well, they're running with it in this show because right. everything, they, every single police officer in this show was such a caricature. And, you know, how, how could they like he's yelling at the guy? that he's interrogating, you know, and I'll take you down, mister. Yeah. I mean, very, it's 1995, right? So there's, I know, but even in 95, it wasn't that bad. There are still elements of, um, of this, uh, you know, eighties, you know, even a little bit of seventies kind of, kind of cop detective show. I mean, you know, 95 was 25 years ago. Uh, it was, but I mean, even then, it you know, uh, <laughs> oh, that, I mean, Die Hard was still out in the nineties, and that's Point where Break. I saw this, guy, and this detective Heat, was in Heat. Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah, he, that's the that's the guy that I, I saw him. I was like, oh yeah, that's he's, him. Much he's younger. also uh, uh, Gene Carlo Esposito. He's also doing the voice of uh, Lex Luthor in Harley Quinn. Oh, is he? Okay, it's funny. Wow, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, so yeah, it's, it's fine. It's just such over the top kind of stuff. And, and so I was like, oh, these cops are just the the worst. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that leads leads you to fall back on the villains or the main characters in this movie. And they are all different. It's weird that they put, uh, the, um, the weird younger brother. What's his name? Um, Stephen Baldwin, Stephen Baldwin, who, oh my God. Can, can somebody give that guy a hairdresser? I mean, they just put a bowl haircut on his head. That was so distracting. Like, he was fine. He seemed to be acting the role just fine, but I just could not get over his haircut the whole huh. time. And and that's silly, but um, I don't know that he I was really fine. That. He, he was really... Go back and just watch the oh, still. See yeah. Picture. Yeah, I'm looking at pictures. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, that's so terrible. Um, And it's not like it's a 90s haircut. You can see a lot of 90s haircuts. His was just a terrible haircut. Um. Mm-hmm. But his character, his character was fine, and I thought he was acted okay. So I thought that was fine. It was a little bit nuanced because he's a little bit of loose cannon, but not totally, and still on on thing. I thought uh, Benicio del Toro was great, but like I said before, he's he's gone. The main guy, who's a big actor in a lot of eighties and nineties movies, Gabriel Byrne. Gabriel Byrne, yeah, was very underutilized or not given good lines, or I couldn't tell, but. Hmm. He's usually such a powerful character. I actor. feel like you're supposed to, and and I don't know, maybe you can answer this because you didn't, you hadn't seen this before. But I feel like he's set up to be Kaiser Soze. Did you get that impression? Yes, yes. Okay, and 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 that's when I knew, when I started to piece out that he wasn't Kaiser Soze, is when they started leaning that he was. 
And I was like, oh, he's definitely not it. Um, but they they do this whole like closer you get to the end, yeah. Yeah, they get they get this whole um oh, I want to be out of the the scene thing, but then like the next scene he's like, nope, he's in. And I'm like, like what what why did you just spend like 10 minutes with the whole scene of him dramatically feeling like he can't he can't give up his girlfriend and he's got to tell her and then he's like, nope, I'm in. You mm. know. It it just kept it was a real weird I don't know where you're going with this character type thing. Sure. Um so it that was fine again. It just wasn't <laughs> spectacular. So all of that leads me to a I felt a movie that was just okay and the twist was pretty great for as twists go. It just wasn't yep. it wasn't like stellar memento twist. Um but so I, I enjoyed the movie. I wouldn't put it on the thing for you. Did you feel when you're watching this on your second time through, you knew who Kaiser Soze was? Yeah, I mean, I knew. So were you able to enjoy a lot of the rest of it? I was I was curious about this because we talked about this last week. Um, This movie won in 1996 Best Actor, Kevin Spacey and Best Writing. uh, Christopher McQuarrie presumably wrote the Mm. screenplay. Um, Weird. You know uh, what? They must have had some. Not great movies. What else? What else is that year in the mid nineties? Um, I mean, Kevin Spacey's performance is just so. That's knowing the end from the beginning. That was sort of what I was watching for. I'm like, is he gonna? I kept expecting him to do a um a House of Cards style thing where he does a camera look, like he's Mm -hmm. lying to the guy, and now the audience knows, but he never does that. Um, he uh, allegedly researched and talked to people with cerebral palsy to you know try and perfect his his mannerisms his body language okay. in that in that character in that role which is all i mean i don't know anybody with cp but all felt pretty you know uh convincing and consistent sure. like he's always walking the same way he's always doing the same thing because i remember i saw this movie so this movie came out in 95 i probably saw it like in college so 2002 2003 somewhere thereabouts yeah and i remember just being blown away not not, i mean blown away but like by the ending to 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 get to the end and like oh the thing and they're flashing back all the thing and like my guess is you'll never hear from kaiser soze again and like his foot straightens out and he starts walking and you're like oh it's him the whole time (laughs) you know and then and then just like that he was gone and I'm like, I'm like, man, that's that's real good. Uh, watching it again, knowing that, like, it was still satisfying to watch. Um, but there was no, I didn't see anything like I did in uh, Fight Club, where there were clues, there were Easter eggs, or like we talked about Memento. Like once I had heard that thing of like the one part is black and white and the other part is in color. Then I could watch for it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. This is going like this, and this is going like this, and piece it together. Um, this, I was like, really the most you get is the the characters feel a little flat, and the stories sometimes uh, don't connect in the right way. You're like, you left out this detail, or this is like this. And some of that you can attribute to it's just this guy telling this story, and he's played up to be somewhat feeble and just like uh, a motor mouth, you know, chatterbox. And, and then when you get to the end, you know, 
you maybe see it coming as like after he leaves and 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 some of that but there was no there was no really overt foreshadowing at least not that i noticed no yeah and and this was this was um not a movie that i knew was a twist movie like i i knew going to it that fight club was but I, right. I didn't, you know, so I can look for a twist. This one, I did not know it was one of these movies, but I felt it pretty early because the reason I felt it pretty early was because everything seemed too on the nose. Like right. you're, you're, you're talking to this one guy who happened to live, who happened to be the person with cerebral palsy. And, you know, and he's Kevin Spacey's playing him as this clearly terrified person right. over the top terrified. I'm like, none of this seems right. I mean, it just felt very not right. It really doesn't help that in the intervening 25 years, we've seen Kevin Spacey play so many of these duplicitous characters. Like I mentioned House of Cards already, but like uh, the movie Seven or any number of things that he's done in between, plus the stuff that came out about him in in real life to where like you see Kevin Spacey playing a... uh, you know, a disabled character and you're like, um, I don't know. I'm kind of yeah. suspicious already. And he, and he did, like, he did feel, he could have been young acting, but he felt like he was overacting. Like he was, uh, well, to put to find a point on it, he felt like he was playing an actor that was lying. Right. And that's the way it felt to yeah, me. So, yeah, so I got I real suspicious. That. And sure. then when the cop was super leaning hard on, on Kaiser Soze mm-hmm. being the other main guy and, and then I think when I figured it out was when he uh, he tells him to to stay and to not go on the heist. And I'm like, that makes no sense whatsoever. This guy is totally making that up that he would tell mm. him to do that. And sure. I'm like, oh, oh, OK, he's the bad guy. He's sure. the main guy. So that's when I got it. All right. So in final judgments, without without giving away the ending. Sure. Um. You would leave this off your bucket list? I think it's a fun movie to watch. It's not a bad movie. You can watch it and get a nice little, especially in your mood for like, I need a little bit of a twisty thing. Uh, and I hate to even say that it is a twisty movie because it's kind of the point of it. Um, but the, uh, I don't think it should be a, a top 100. Man, you should watch this before you, you pass on to the next world. Yeah, seeing it, seeing it, having already seen it and knowing the end, um, it it did not you know a lot of times when a movie has a twist ending you can watch it again like six cents or something catch and some stuff in catch yeah. more of the foreshadowing and stuff i didn't really get much of that with this movie and for things that without spoiling it have have happened in people's careers and in and in 25 years makes it a little uh a little less less plausible than than maybe it would have been i think you know, if you're making a list of only a hundred movies, this one is good. I really enjoyed it when I saw it, which to be fair was almost 20 years ago. And I think I'd be fine leaving this one off as well. Yeah. And even if it, if we talk strictly about your week to week criteria of where does it fit on whose list and what genre and stuff, like we've had, if we went from that route, we've had lots of other twisty movies that are way better. Twisty movies, crime genres. Like if you're going to watch, there's better. If you're going to watch Memento and Reservoir Dogs. I and, thought of Reservoir Dogs. Like, yeah, that's a better crime movie than this one. And, yeah. and Pulp Fiction is on here. I think because um, the guy in Reservoir Dogs, Harvey 
Kaitel. Kaitel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're not really similar, but the guy playing Keaton in Usual Sus- Suspects, I kept thinking he was Harvey Keitel. He's I don't not, know, but I, I can see that. Uh, they're kind of uh, you know similar. similar right, but but, but there, there's other movies that fit all the genres and all the stuff just as good as saying again. We're not neither of us are putting this movie down. So if you're a big fan of this movie and had a good experience for it, well, that's great. But it just, yeah, but as far as like are, if if you've made it however old you are if you've made it to 2020 and have not seen this you're probably fine yeah you've probably seen a lot of other movies that have done more twisty stuff and i actually probably think that there were other twisty cop probably cop or crime movies before this i i i can't see it's weird that this is on a list again not not a bad thing there's a hundred movies so you know you get a hundred it could fit yeah 99 or something like that but not 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 a top hundred for me. I'm, I did not waste my time like I felt in two thousand one Space Odyssey. But <laughs> you know this was yeah. Okay, so next week we have The Wizard of Oz. Oh hey, unless because, unless because, you because, wanna because. yeah yeah no uh yeah that's that sounds great. I can watch that with the with the kids. I I'm I, you know what's Garland. funny? It's going to be a great thing. I've seen this you know dozens and dozens of times. Sure. Um, I'm going to see if I can't watch it with uh, the girls, meaning that I watch it with my 13 year old and watch it with uh, the, a nine year old. So okay. to, to get a good, you know, this movie is what? 1950 something, 1960, 1939, 39. Wow. That's yeah. amazing. This movie is so good for 1939. Like seriously, <laughs> we watched so many other movies that this, okay, we're getting ahead of myself there, but um, 1939. So this would be fun to watch a nine-year-old watch this fantastical movie and see if it's still good for her. Holds up, yeah, yeah. That this that'll be fun. So I'll see that. I can do that. All right. Well, cool. we will save what? Oh, the good place and Ooh. maybe Avenue Five. You've not seen any of Avenue Five. I'll see if I can watch some of that. No, I watched like a one episode, maybe two episodes. All right. So and I'll then, see if I can watch a little bit more. I know you're you're uh, and then starting we'll, to get some feels for it. Maybe next week we'll do a little bit of video game talk. We'll see how the how the schedule goes. Yeah, I'm gonna have to catch up with you on your uh, on your bachelor viewing too. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> hey, I've We're, been I've been pushing through some Survivor stuff, and I'm getting pretty. Yeah, uh, this is a whole new. Th- they're down to like four or five girls now, so it's it's getting serious. It's getting serious. You're gonna have which, to. Okay. Which means which means less sensational and more maybe boring. I don't know. <laughs> we'll we'll, uh, we'll catch up with Dennis and, and his new. Uh, uh, yeah, maybe maybe next, next week, week. We'll, we'll have time. I can talk about that some more. Yeah, we, we can maybe we can see if we can have some one of our other uh, bachelor friends on, and, and you guys can talk about all the bachelor stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. You've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode one hundred and thirty. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you like Star Trek role playing or Star Trek role playing, check out our other show. It is called Klingons and Dragons. That's at KlingonsDragons dot com, or find it on your favorite podcatcher i guess people are calling them uh it's not safe for work don't put it on if you have questions or comments tell us your thoughts and and hot takes on usual suspects or prep for um wizard of oz you can reach out to us via email frontporchpod at gmail.com or on our website frontporchpodcast.com we have contact forms uh comment boxes on every episode you can you can do that uh, the schedule for the 100 movies is there also. 
If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are found. Thanks as always for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. Night, everybody. See you next time.